0: You know, we, we had such a great weekend last week, I I just thought, man, it was just such a special weekend, you know, what the Lord did, and um, I, I don't know, you know, every weekend we have baptisms. Every weekend people give their lives to the Lord, they get baptized, but I, I get the privilege of being back there and hearing people's stories and where they came from, and and it just seems like every service, someone just blows my mind with... The road that they've gone down in life, and yet God's got a hold of them now, and they want to turn it all over, and they want to start living for him and you know even this week, I just think of you know just a few in my head of of just in the last few services um, you know one guy just on drugs last ten years you know lost everything and just but now found the Lord and just turned everything around one um, one of my favorite was last weekend. Last weekend at, uh, at the 10 o'clock service, there was this guy who got up to get baptized and, um, and he asked, he goes, hey, can I say something? I'm like, sure, you know, I give him the mic. And, uh, and then I knew him a little bit, you know, just started coming to the church and just gave his life to the Lord. And he gets on the mic and he goes, he goes, what do I say? He goes, I'm a 55-year-old Jew from New York, and I'm about to get baptized, <laughs> you know, and uh, and then he, he quotes something from uh, uh, Gamblers Anonymous that he learned, you know, and and it was just so cool, you know, and then I was talking to him after the service, and, and I go, I go, Bob, you get that this isn't just a a part of your life now. It's like what I said, he's the priority, he's everything. Like, you, you don't just tack Christianity onto your life or add it in like a little hobby. And, uh, and he looks at me and he goes, no. He looks me right in the eye he goes, Francis, I get it. But to use terms I understand, I'm all in. <laughs> I thought, ah, oh, that's so perfect, you know. You know, and when he said that, and for those who don't play poker, which is all of you, um, you know, you just know from TV, right? You know, but, but the whole... Uh, the, the whole, the, the, that, that whole illustration is, you know, in, in, in playing poker, if, if you have a hand that you're so sure of and you're, you're just saying, you know what, here's all of my chips, here's everything I've got. I'm putting it all in everything. So if I lose this, I'm done, I'm over. I've lost everything. There's no other hand after this. And, and I just thought, what a great picture of the Christian life. You know, what, what a perfect illustration of just saying, you know, this is it. That's the way the Bible describes Christianity. That's the way the Apostle Paul spoke about his life. He goes, listen, in 1 Corinthians 15, he goes, if there's no life after death, he goes, do you understand, if, if, if all there is is what we see here on this earth, he goes, then I am the, literally the stupidest person on this earth. He says, because I've sacrificed everything believing that there's a life to come. He goes, I've I've been tortured. I've gone through so many hardships. I've given everything I own. Everything is going because I believe there's life after this one. So he says, if there's no resurrection from the dead, he goes, I'm above all men the most to be pitied on this earth. He goes, you understand, I am all in on this. I have bet everything. So if I am wrong. If I am wrong about this Jesus, that he really did rise from the grave, then I've just wasted my whole life. That's Christianity. It's not something you tack on to your life. Jesus described it in in Matthew 13. He he says that the kingdom of heaven is like a man who, who found this treasure buried in this field. And he found this treasure so great, it says that with joy, he went and he sold every single thing he owned so that he could buy that field. You see, it's, it's about this idea of finding a treasure that is so wonderful that it's not, well, I'll give you half, I'll give you a few, I'll throw a few chips in No, no, no. It's about selling everything and saying, you know what, I'm putting everything into this because I so believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. He died on that cross for me and he rose from the grave and he promises me that whatever I sacrifice on this life, I'll get a hundredfold in heaven and that's what I'm living for. And so if that doesn't really come true, I've just wasted my whole life. But I'm completely sold out on this thing. And that phrase that he used last week just never left me alone. It's like, wow, what a great phrase. And I've got to ask you this morning, honestly, think through your life. Are you all in? I mean, have you just laid it all out on the table and said, I'm betting it all? on this resurrection i'm not living for this life Uh, i'm not playing it safe and going well i'll give a little bit to god and you know and, and and so even at the end if if this doesn't come true at least i had a fun life and i i didn't really invest that much anyways no or did you put it all on the line and say no this is about me this is my whole life would others who know you would they say by your lifestyle that you're all in Would would they describe you that way? Not by what you say, but would they look at your life and say, gosh, the amount that person sacrificed, her morality, his morality, the the amount of time they they spend serving this God they believe in, this is like all that matters to them. Is that you? Hey, how, how many of you guys were in church last weekend? Just by a show of hands. Okay, most of you. Um... Good weekend, huh? Good message. I did pretty good, huh? Yeah, it was one of my better messages. No, I, I left here and I thought, no, I didn't mean to make you clap. I, I, uh, although, no. It, it, uh, but, but I left here going, gosh, you know, I, I don't know if I can preach any better than that. So if you guys were visiting last week, you're yeah, lucky. Don't expect it every week. Um, but, but I went home going, man, I, I just laid it out. That, that is just everything. I, I, just, I just put it all out there. And, um, and I, I even went home going, wow, I, I was really pleased with everything that was said and whatever else. And everyone started saying, wow, that was a good message. That's one of the best messages I've ever heard you give, you know. And um, so here, let me ask another question. How many of you can think of something this week that you did because of last week's message? Okay, good. Good. Maybe 10%. You, you know, I, I used to, I remember when I first started speaking, I used to love when people came up to me and told me it was a good message. Man, I lived for that. It was like, you know, you preach and then you have these people come forward and go, oh man, that was a great message. Shake your hand. And, and the more people, the better to me. It's like, yeah, yeah. You know, and then I go home and, yeah, it was a good message. You know, everyone's telling me it was a great message. An email, it emails, great, great message, great message. And I used to mean so much to me. I, I used to get excited over that. And, and honestly, the last few years, I, I just go, you know what, I don't really care. You know what gets me excited is every once in a while someone will email me and say, hey, you said this, you showed us this verse, and because of it, here's what I did. Here's something I did this week. I read that and I go,
1: yeah,
0: that is so cool for someone to come up and say, well, because of that, I heard the message of Haggai, and so here's what I did, and I get so pumped up. You know, but but this whole idea of, hey, good message, good message. Oh, man, you kept me awake through the whole thing. I paid attention through the whole message or whatever it was. You know, it's just like, wow, you're so motivated. You got me so fired up. I just go, yeah, great, thanks, thanks. But the Bible says, don't just be hearers of the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. And that whole idea of deception, about fooling ourselves into thinking that, wow, we heard it, we liked it, we were fired up about it, so we 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 did it. That, that, that's what we were after, right? You know, no, no, it's the action. What did we do? What did we apply? Name something concrete that happened in your life as a result of hearing the Word of God. You, you see, things like that, they... They haunt me in a sense. I mean, I, I read passages like in Revelation 3, there's a church. In Revelation 3, verse 1, the church in Sardis. And God, Jesus writes a letter to this church. And, and He says to them, He says, These are the words of Him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. He says, I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. I mean, what a a great statement. He says to this church, he goes, man, you've you've really built a reputation for yourselves. Man, you've got this reputation that you're just so fired up, you're so alive. He goes, but I know what you actually do, and you're dead. The God of the universe looked at that church and says, everyone else thinks you're so great, you're so alive, great reputation. He goes, I look at you and I say, you're dead. And that's the truth. I look at your actions and I say, you're dead. And I, I look at a passage like that and I, I go, gosh, I, I don't want that to be us. You know, we hear messages and, and, and I get excited just that you come back after some of the things I say, you know, and you, you show up again. I like, go, oh, that's good, that's good. That means they like the Word of God and they don't mind, you know, having it thrown right in their face and they go, no, that's, that's what we want, that's what we want. But at the same time, I don't want to kid ourselves because if we don't do anything, then, then it really wasn't a good message, um, and so we were going to move on to Haggai chapter two this week, you know. But I decided to put that off. Um, and the title of my message this week is "Do something with last week's message," because <laughs> <laughs> I, I just thought this is silly. What am I going to do? Go Haggai two? Okay, here's another one and. All right, what are we going to do next week? You know, and just give another sermon. And there's a side of me that's just kind of tired of, you know, preaching or giving sermons and, and uh, giving more knowledge or entertaining whatever it may be. Because the truth is, is I honestly believe it is better to not hear a message than to hear a message and do nothing about it. I, I really believe that. I, I really I really believe that because, you see, if you never heard the message, then you're not accountable for it. You can go, I did not know, you know, right? But once you know the truth and you know what God said and God has spoken and then you say no or you don't do anything about it, that's, that's a concerning thing. And that's why I go, well, it's not really good to teach new truths unless we've applied the old ones. And the more I prayed about it, I thought, God, that doesn't honor you. You know, I got all the study, got all the notes for Haggai chapter 2. I, I can preach through it today, but I just go, that's, that's not honoring to him. What did we do with last week's message? Does, uh, does the word of God bug you sometimes? I mean, like just, it's like it nags you. Um, it, it bugs me. It bugs me. You know, after I I preached last weekend, literally the next five nights, you know, I I couldn't sleep. I, I couldn't sleep. Then I slept one night and then last night right back to not being able to sleep. Because I keep waking up thinking about the words that I said. And it haunts me, it bugs me. I think about the words of Haggai 1, and it keeps me up. I wake up. I, I'm up at like 1 o'clock till 4 o'clock to 5 o'clock just praying, going, God, I know. You know, my wheels start spinning, and I just start thinking, no, things aren't right. Things aren't right in my own life. Things aren't right in the church. There's, there's more. There's more. Help me. Help me understand it. i got to get this right. Man, because the word of God it bugs me. It doesn't leave me alone. I don't just preach it and go, "Oh yeah, that's what He says to do," you know, and then move on to something else. If it it hasn't been applied in here, if I haven't done something about it, it bothers me. It convicts me. The the words of Haggai one. We're gonna go back to Haggai one this week. Haggai chapter one, verse two. This this bothered me this week. Haggai chapter one. Remember the story? Haggai chapter 1 is, is, is about the Jews coming back into their land. The Persian Empire allows them to come back and inhabit the, the land, the Holy Land, once again. And I didn't really share all of this last week, just for, for, for brevity of time. But, uh, you know, when the Jews came back into their land after the exile by, by the Babylonians, they come back in under the Persian Empire and they, they do actually build the foundation to the temple. Okay, the people build the foundation because they want to rebuild the temple of God that it was destroyed by the Babylonians. They, they put the foundation down, but then somehow they just get discouraged the and they quit. And so for 16 years, about 16 years, that foundation just lies there. And they stop building God's temple. Meanwhile, during that time, they start building their own houses, really nice houses. And so God sends the prophet Haggai and says, hey, you guys are saying it's not time to build, but your houses sure look pretty nice. It sure was time to build those. You know, and he goes, what's up with God's house? Why aren't you doing that? And that's what the story was. But the words, you know, in verse 2, when it says, this is what the Lord Almighty says, these people say the time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. That phrase, it bugged me. They say it's not time for the Lord's house to be built. And maybe that phrase, I know why that phrase bothered me more than all the rest. It's because it sounds so much like what I've been saying the last couple of years. Ah, it's just not time for us to build yet. It's not time for us to, you know, do the whole building thing and then we gotta raise money and it's just, it's just not, it's really not time for that yet. Um, and I would say things like, "Well, God's going to give us a deal. He's going to give us a deal on land. Okay, you know, we're not, we we're, we're children of God, so he, you know, we, we don't we, we shouldn't have to pay full price like someone else. He's going to give us a deal somewhere. And so when that deal happens, you know, you know, it's the, I know it's a Chinese thing. I I want two for one. You know, I want to, you know, at least twenty five percent off. I, I want something. You know, you give me a deal. You know, I got a coupon for land. You know, I, I want." I want something to happen. I want someone to come in with millions of dollars or someone with with acres of land and go, here it is. Okay, build a church and... Waiting, waiting, waiting. So it's just not time. Let's wait for the Lord. He'll give us a deal. And things like, you know what? The real estate market's climbing. Let's wait for it to settle down. It'll go back down. And let's just wait. It's just not time yet. You know, the, the, the church is healthy. Cornerstone's getting healthy. It's getting healthier all the time. We're, we're getting more discipleship in. People are growing. They're starting to develop. There's more relationships going on. Things are happening. So you know what? The, the church is healthy. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Right? It's not time. It's not time. It's not time. I don't want to talk about money. don't want to do a building thing. It's not time. Not yet. Meanwhile, you know, at our 10 o'clock service, uh, people are getting turned away. You know, not only is this room completely packed, but the satellite room gets completely full, and then people are walking around the hallways, you know, just trying to peer in and catch a little bit of the service, and people are leaving. Um... And if you come here any time around the holidays, it's just, it's just nuts. You'll see just, just streams of people leaving the church because there's nowhere to sit. Um, and when I see that, I think, gosh, that, those are people. And what's going on in each person's life that's walking away? Every soul that leaves is just as valuable as mine. And I think about that. I go, gosh, that person walking down the street is just as valuable as me. And what if that were me? And, you know, and then you start, you know, someone just telling me, you know, Saturday night, you know, she was just in the nursery Saturday night working two or three-year-olds and going, man, it was just completely packed. We had to turn people away. And then this lady said, oh, it's my first time, you know, I had a bad experience. I had to sit in that satellite room, you know, and she's like, please just come back. Please come back. Come earlier. You'll get a seat, you know, this and that. And you just start going, okay, is it really not broken? You know? And 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 then think about this. If we began to build something today, let's say today, we found some land and started building, at least two years. You know, by the time you get through the city for them to permit something for a nonprofit organization, you know, and and then to to build it, I mean, it, it's going to be a, it's going to be at least two years. Imagine how many people do you think? will be turned away from our church within the next two years. Just in two years. Try to try to figure out that number of how many people will leave the church in the next two years because of space. And so I start thinking, it's not time to build, it's not time to build, it's not time to build, it's not broke, it's not broke, it's not broke. And was like, oh, okay, you know what? I, I was just very convicted by that phrase because I go, you know what? Maybe I've, uh, I've held some things back. Um, I couldn't sleep because of the next phrase in verse 4 when he says, when he asked that question, is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Laying there on my bed, my nice house, and going, man, is, is, is that it? Should I be comfortable or should I be uncomfortable because there's a work to be done? And, and I looked at that, and here's, here's what really started bugging me, was I began to just run some numbers in my head. You know, because God's confrontation of those people is like, wow, your houses sure are nice. You know, and, and I start thinking, okay, well, well, what do we have? What, what are our assets as individuals? And so I began to just run some numbers in my mind. Okay, I, I started thinking, okay, there's, there's about, average weekend, there's about 3,000 adults that attend on an average weekend, And not everyone comes every weekend. I I think it's very safe to say that 4,000 adults would call Cornerstone their home church. Say, this is home, 4,000 adults. You know, average weekend, somewhere around 3,000, a little more than that. And so I go, okay, we probably have about 4,000 that come regularly. And that's probably a low estimate. So I thought, okay, how many of those 4,000 would you say are homeowners? Let's say everyone's married, which isn't true, but let's just say that'd be 2,000 families. Let's say half of those, only only half of them own homes, and the rest are renting or something. Then I go, okay, let's say there's 1,000 homeowners. Again, let's just go low. Let's just go conservative. Let's say just we have 1,000 homes within our church. And I thought, what's the average price of a home in Simi Valley? And I'll, I'll go really low. Let's say five hundred thousand, which is—I know you're laughing at that. I just had my house appraised. My house is at one thousand and eight square feet. I think it's the smallest house you can buy in this town, and it was appraised at, at over five hundred thousand dollars. Okay, it's nuts. Okay, so so that's a conservative number, right? Okay, five hundred thousand. We're safe with that. A thousand. And so I thought, okay, so how much money is that all together? Asians, help me out. Five, five hundred million dollars, right? Half a billion dollars, and so, so you know, and that again, I just go, okay, that's what we have, that's what we own for ourselves, that's pretty conservative. Then I thought, okay, how much is our land or our property as a church worth? And uh, this is worth about nine million, and I, and so these numbers, you know, are flying through my head in the middle of the night. You know, just trying to figure out, okay, we're probably about here, right? And the reality is we're probably closer to a billion than we are to, to 500 million. And, uh, but but let's just go conservative and say, 500 million for us, nine for you. You know, and I just go, this isn't right. It, it's, it's, you know, it, it's not about a deal, right? I mean, do we need a deal? No, it's not about what we can afford. It's about what we're willing to afford, for God's house. And, and so, so these numbers, you can go ahead and turn that off, just, just running through my mind and, and me going, well, you know what, the money's not there. You know, I don't want to ask for this and that, and we can't really afford it. The more I prayed about it, the more I thought about it, I go, you know, we can afford anything in the city, really. I mean, with the number of people that come here, the number of assets that we have for ourselves, we've done pretty well for ourselves, I go, we, we really can do anything. And uh, then I look at verse 14. In verse 14, it talks about how the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, who was the governor. And he stirred up the spirit of Joshua, who was the high priest. And it says he stirred up the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. And they came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God. And and I thought, man, wouldn't that have been fun? Okay, Just, just put yourself back thousands of years ago. And imagine, wow, you know, God led us back to our land, you know, and after this exile for all these years, now you're back in the land that God promised you. And you, you get a little lazy and you, you forget about what he's done and you, you go and you just build your own homes and everything else. And, and then suddenly you hear this message of God saying, hey, what are you guys doing? And, and imagine if you're in a crowd where all of the people, the whole remnant, all of them go, he's right. Let's go. And then you just start climbing up the mountain. You start chopping down trees. And you see other people melting gold and doing all this stuff. And everyone's working together. And everyone just drops whatever they're doing. And they're going, okay, forget my house for a little bit. Let's all together build God's house. I just thought that would have been such a rush to be a part of that. You know, Have you ever been in a part of a just a team effort? where everyone's pitching in, everyone's doing, everyone's making it happen, and I'm looking at that, and there was just a sense of jealousy, like, gosh, that would have been a blast. You know, it's, it, but it's, this, it's such a beautiful picture, because like I said last week, when the people repented, God said those words, I'm with you. And I thought, wow, now you've got the voice of God saying, I'm with you. And I'm reading on, studying on, and, 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 and after they start building, after about two months of building, then the Lord says to them in chapter 2, verse 19, which we'll study in a couple of weeks, Haggai 2, verse 19, God says to them, from this day on, I will bless you. Isn't that a great thing to hear from God? Imagine that, if you could hear God say to you, from this day on, from this moment on, This Sunday, I'm going to bless you. Especially after what he had done to those people. Remember the drought? You know, he's going, man, you guys have been in a drought. Guess why? Because I'm in charge of the rain. You guys were trying to harvest all this stuff, but you don't have any. Guess why? I blew it all away because I'm in charge. Remember, I'm in control. I'm holding the remote. This is me. Everything's in my control. He goes, but then everyone repents. And he goes, you know what, from this day on, okay, mark this day, and, and I'll, we'll study that. It's exciting, because he goes, remember what's gone on up until this moment, and now watch what happens from this day on. I'm going to bless you. I, I believe, you know, and we'll talk about it in a couple weeks, but it's, and I'll tell you guys, I didn't tell anyone else, but uh, <laughs> don't tell them. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's interesting, because they're celebrating at that time this, this feast, where they're supposed to gather all of these crops, you know, in the beginning of chapter 2, and they didn't have any crops, and so they're all depressed. Then They're looking at the temple, looking at the foundation, going, oh man, we're building this little dinky temple. They're kind of down, and then at this point, two months later, after they start building everything else, it's time for the rains to come in. That's a time of the year when the early rains would come. So, you know, God says to them, hey, it's been a drought, it's been a drought, it's been a drought, but watch. From this day forward, I'm going to bless you, and I bet you it rained. You know, I bet you, I bet you, the next day it just it just showered upon them. You know, there's, there's just something about that. I just I just read that whole story. I just love the book of Haggai. Don't you love the book of Haggai? Now it's like oh, I never really noticed it, but oh man, what a, what a great great book! What a great story! And I'm looking at I go, man, what if we were a part of that? And so Haggai gives this message: the people repent, they build this temple. God says, I'm going to bless you now. And I thought, okay, what did we do? You know, gave the same message, preached the message of Haggai, and we sang, we clapped, took an offering, one of the worst we've had in months, (laughs) you know. And I go, okay, what did we do? A lot of people told me it was a good message, though. You know, and I just, it's like, no, this doesn't sit right. They did something. And and the more I thought about it, I go, well, I didn't really lay out. Here's something for us to do. You know, and so, so, you know, I go, okay, God, give me the vision. Help me to understand. What are we called to do? And it's been, these are things that have been in my mind for a long time and everything else, but I am so convinced. After praying this week and really searching God on this and looking at the scriptures and looking at our circumstances, I'm absolutely convinced. It's time for us to build. It is absolutely time for us to build. And I'm not talking about, you know, like I said, you know maybe a little satellite room over there. They'll seat a few hundred people that'll hold us over for a couple of years. I'm not talking about that. I believe it's time to build something that'll just house thousands of people, where thousands of people in this community can come and hear the word, uh, understand what Jesus did for them, fall in love with them. Absolutely. (laughs) I'm convinced that God doesn't want Cornerstone Church tucked away on Winifred Street. Oh, we're kind of over there by penny pinchers, you know, that little... You know, I I believe it's time to build a big, obnoxious building in the middle of the city to where everyone knows the Church of Jesus Christ is alive and well. Absolutely. I, I, I believe something huge that everyone knows. You know, we've been looking at Kmart. You know, it's for sale. We're battling it out with Target right now. They want it. And it's like, you know, you know what? We're better than them, you know? Stop shopping there. No, just, just, you know, just the whole... I'm just kidding, you know, but the whole... You know, and other people, but I I want something big like that. And going, you know, we, we can afford that easily. With the number of people we have here, we ought to be buying something like that. One of our elders even said, you know what? We can even change the way we spell Cornerstone with a K. And keep that, you know, and just go... No, we are the big K now, you know, <laughs> and and just go, you know, no, because I really believe that that's what the city needs to see is that, you know, no, the Church of Jesus Christ is alive and well, and we should be dictating the spiritual climate in the city. We should be dictating what's taught in our schools, you know, in the morality that's taught there, every election, everything going on. You guys, we're a huge church. We're the biggest body of anything here in Simi Valley. And it's time for us just to make a statement and, and, and really to change the whole city, to change the climate of a city. And I really believe that's what God's calling us to. I mean, we're doing huge things already, but I just, I just believe with all my heart it's time to take it to the next level. It's time to just say, okay, God, you know what? This, you, you, you bought the church of Jesus Christ by your own blood. And I want to, I want to build something. I want us to create something where, where we just show, Lord, you know what, our honor to you, and a, a place where people can come and not get turned away because of space or being too crowded or having two inches in the aisles between seats or whatever else. It's just, a, it's just a, a statement. And I, I, I get so excited about this. I think about this, and I, I just go, man, I'm not getting any younger, you know. And I want to do something with my life. I want this to be a place where millions of dollars are, are raised for the poor, where we care for the poor, we, we you know feed the needy. We've already started planting churches in other places. I just want this to be a center where people just know, you know what, we're just a church planting machine. You know, the college is, has started and it's going strong and we've got these future leaders coming out of that and I want that to be established and have its location right there. Maybe Chuck E. Cheese, you know, or whatever, you know, but just, you know what, this this whole thing, and it's, and it's a reality, it's a reality, and, and maybe not Kmart, it might not be Kmart, but it needs to be something like that, and we have, we have the funds, you know, if, if we're willing to sacrifice, if we're willing to make it happen. Now, a lot of reason, you know, I pray about this, and a lot of the reason why this hasn't happened yet is me. I, I've got hang-ups, um, I've got issues, <laughs> like you didn't know that, um, <laughs> but, but one of those has been money. I, I don't like to talk about money, and and I've gone the opposite extreme, because when I started this church, I, I was sick of the way people looked at Christianity, and people who didn't believe in God would say, oh, they just want your money. I'm like, okay, well, I'll show you. I'll never ask for money. And, uh, you know, I hear about people who turn on the TV and everyone's turned off by TVN, you know, that they, they just, you know, asking for more and more money, come on, more money, more, you know, and that's what people think about Christians. They think about the church that way. So I said, you know what, I'm just not going to talk about money. And, uh, and, and so I didn't want to do a building fund. I didn't want to go, you know, hey, I didn't want to ask you for money. I don't want to say, come on, give more, you know, we can do this or that. But I've been praying about this and thinking about this and... On March 20th, I will have been pastoring this church for 12 years, okay? And that's when we started this church. Um, we started the Bible study before that, and then March 20th, we had our kickoff, 1994. And when we started this church, I told my wife, you know what, I can't take any money because I don't know if anyone's going to show up. You know, we can't depend on that, and so you'll have to work, you know, keep your job, and we'll just see what happens. And she's like, totally, let's make it happen. And then... uh church started to grow and after a year we were able to take a salary. And uh and thirty six thousand is what we decided on. Thirty six thousand a year it includes everything, housing, all of it's in there. And uh and then after a couple of years we you know, I said, you know what, this is fine. And uh, let's just make a commitment that as long as this is enough for us, we will never increase our salary. And the Lord's blessed and taking care of us and everything else and and twelve years twelve years, um we haven't taken a salary, you know, a salary more than 36,000. And so as I, I prayed about this, I thought, you know what? I have the right to talk about money. I, I believe I've earned the right to stand before you and the trust to say, look, when you give to Cornerstone Church, you're not making anyone rich. Okay. That, that I believe I've earned this right to stand before you today and ask you to sacrifice and give and for you to know this is going to the Lord's work. Um, man I, I've, I've prayed about this I've looked over my finances how I've dealt with the church finances how I've dealt with my own and I said you know what it's all for this moment to say look hopefully you can trust what's going on here hopefully you can trust me in my life and you can look over any of my personal finances my assets you want to come over take a tour of my house you can drive in my car with me you can do whatever you want <laughs> you know it's, it's, it's all there it's all there and uh and and to say, you know what? When I say this time, for the first time, we're going to start giving, seriously giving, digging deep, and and building something for the Lord here. That uh, I, I believe I can do that, and say that, and will say that for the weeks to come, and encourage you to give. And and this doesn't change anything. No, nothing changes about our priorities and what the church is about. Nothing changes about me. I, I sure hope you realize that that I'm not going, okay, now he's changing. Now he's talking about money, and I'm sure he's going to take the building fund and then take a portion of that, and his salary's gone up. No. In fact, my wife and I talked about it, and we, we said, you know, we want to be a part of this sacrifice. And we said, okay, what's our step of faith this year? And we decided, you know what? We're going to cut our salary in half this year. And we're going to go to 18. And I, we don't know. We don't know. We have no clue how we're going to make it. You know, we just go, you know what? Well, maybe it'll stretch here, stretch here, stretch here, stretch here. Maybe some things will come in from this or that. But you know what? Honestly, for the first time, we go, you know, let's take another step of faith. It's always worked in the past. We've never been able to outgive God. And, uh, and I want to stretch myself every year. So let's see what happens. And, um, you know, midway through, maybe we realize, wow, we can't afford it, and I'll take another job modeling or something, you know? And... <laughs> Thank you. That, that's better. Okay. Thank you. That's the response I was looking for. Like, of course, you know. Um, no, but you know, it, it's just, I, I want you to know that this isn't a thing. This isn't a, like some little game we're playing and, 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 and mind game, you know, of, okay, now we're... Ju-. No, 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 no. I want to be. I get excited. It's not this guilt. I, I don't want anyone giving out a guilt. You know, because I just go, gosh, I look at that, you know, what these guys did in the book of Haggai, I go, man, that would have been fun, you know, if we just totally sucked it up for a year, you know, and maybe just just didn't even take anything and just all we did was build the Lord's house just to look back at the end of my life and go, oh, two thousand and six? remember 2006, wasn't that crazy? Remember that crazy when we said, I' oh, just cut it in half and see what happens. And then how the Lord took care of her. I mean, just, uh, we've never been able to outgive God. So many times, we're just like, well, we really can't afford to give this, let's just give it. And then something comes back to the point where my wife and I stare at each other and go, can we ever give to God without Him giving back to us? In some crazy, supernatural way. It just always happens, so let's just let's just shoot for it. And, and and there's a sense of excitement of okay, I'm I'm with you guys. We're all on the ground level. Let's just let's just do this thing. Let's just make something happen. Two thousand and six. Let's pray about it. Let's think about it. Um I I want you to uh, I want to give you some time during service today to pray. And ask God, God, what what would I get excited about giving to you this year? Okay, I've never done anything like this before. But, but for you to just think through, okay, what would I like to sacrifice? Because this whole thing is, is, is not only did he stir the leadership, but he stirred the whole remnant of the people. And what's been exciting this week is like, there have been a couple of people that came up and just not knowing anything about what's going on in my heart, they're saying you know, I've just been bugged about this passage. You know, something needs to be done. Something needs to, be, to happen, to do something. Not just yell and clap and scream, but actually do something. And, and this one person says, you know, I'm, I'm going to sell my car. And my, my car, you know, we have this car and we're, we're just going to give it away. Everything's going to go to this building fund. We were going to go to Hawaii as a family this year. We canceled that vacation and said, we're just going go to Santa Barbara. We'll just drive to Santa Barbara and hang out on the beach, pretend we're in Hawaii. You know, and, and, and all of that's going to go to this building. And, and, and we were going to remodel our house and we've decided we are not doing another thing to our house until God's house is built and and she goes I, I just want to make sure you you actually want to do something I go no it's totally been stirring on my heart same type of thing and it's been so cool this weekend, you know. Just even Saturday night, guy comes over. You know, I just know, you know, I just got a promotion, a big promotion, and whatever I make more, it's all going to the church. I'm supposed to get this big tax return this year. Whatever it is, it's all going. To, I don't even know what it is. It's just all going to the Lord. You know, I, I had a, I had a 17 year old. You know, after the 8:30 service, go. You know, I've been saving up money for a car. It's all going. I, I don't need a car. You know, it's just you know, y- y- yeah, y- you just get fired up. You go, "Oh man, you know these people are getting excited and going, "No, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this." People that have been Christians for one week that are going, "Oh, laying out some things going, I get so pumped up about this." And I get so fired up going, "Man, I'm right there with you. Okay, here's what we're going to do." And uh, I don't know how it's going to happen. This is the amount we're praying for to be able to give and uh I just want to see what God's going to do this year. I want to see the land that he's going to open up and I'm not waiting for a deal. You know, we'll pay what everyone else pays. I think that's going to honor God more. That his people didn't just go, no, not till you give us a deal. But his people said, no, you deserve the best. We're going to buy the best. Um, and, and to really do that. And I, I just get so pumped up about it. But I want you to take some time right now to pray. I want you individually. Do you ever think and pray at the same time? You ever do that where you're trying to think through a problem and you just keep going, okay, Lord, help me, help me, help me. I want to know what's the right thing to do. And you kind of think and you're kind of praying. I do, I do that a lot. I, I want you to do that right now. Just take a couple minutes, just in total silence, just between you and God, to go, God, okay, what would, you, what would I get excited about sacrificing to give to you this year for this building project? And just pray about it and think about it right now. This is what I want us to do now. You know, hopefully God stirred some thoughts in your mind and some ideas of things where, again, uh, something you're excited to do, not something where you go, Oh, I feel guilty. I mean, he's already in that little house. and then, he... No, no, none of that, you know, about where you just go, Man, I would just love to be able to do this for the Lord this year. What I want you to do is, if you came with your family or your spouse, Whoever you have with the service, you know, or a friend, or I want you to talk to them right now and to share with them and say, you know, this is what I think God's leading us to do. Um, What do you think? And just kind of get some different ideas, talk about it. If you came here by yourself, you know, maybe you talk to someone next to you or maybe you just start writing some things down and some of these ideas. But I'm just going to give you a minute to go ahead and uh, just start talking to one another. Hopefully you, you keep these discussions going as the, as the week goes on. And I, you know, I, One of the things I'm very convicted about in this process is that it's not just about the building. Okay? If it's just about building a building, it's really not that exciting. I, I get really more excited, honestly, about what God will do in your lives and your families as you stretch. Because I've seen what God's done to build my faith the more I've stepped out in faith and giving to Him. And I go, man, you, you just, you just, you don't see the power of God until you step out in faith. And it's amazing. I mean, I, I'd love for you to mark out, you know, when you started giving to God and then when you're done and look at where you're at financially yourself. It just, it never makes sense. You go, wait a second, how did that happen? You know, but that's, that's just the way life works here on this earth. God really is in control. And I'm not one of these health, wealth things where God wants you rich and all this other stuff. You know, God's God, that's not the way Jesus lived. That's not the way his disciples lived or whatever else. I'm just saying God provides in these crazy ways and just blesses our lives. Now, let me say something before we worship. If you're visiting for the first time... Sorry, <laughs> okay? <sighs> I guess you should have been here last week. Oh, that was good. Um, no, but, but uh, if you're visiting... Man, none of this was for you. I'm so sorry. You know, hopefully you got a picture of what our church is about and this and that. But for you, honestly, we don't want anything, 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 not a dime from you. That's, that's not what this is about. Uh, we are so thankful. I am so thankful that you're here just checking things out, learning things. All you need to know. Okay, we're going to take an offering a little bit. That's not for you. Just let it pass. All you need to know if this is your first time is that your Creator in Heaven loves you. You have a God in Heaven, the One who made you. He knows everything about your life, and yet He loves you. And that may be so weird to you, because you go, like, how can you make a statement like that when you don't know what's going on in my life? And you may, may look at some of the things you've done in the past and go, you know, no, no, if there's a God up there, He's ready to, to kill me, he, he should punish me. And you know what? He should. He should have punished me for all the, all the junk in my life, and He should have punished all of us for all the things we've done in this room. That's the truth. That, that would be justice. That would be fair. And yet what the Bible teaches is that this God in heaven is so loving and loves you so much that what He did, He says, I'm going to demonstrate to the people on the earth my love. And He demonstrates His love for us and that even though we had done offensive things to Him... He sends his son down and has his son tortured on a cross. And going, that's what you deserve. But I love you so much that my justice is going to be poured out on him. My wrath will be poured out on him. That's how much I love you. I'm willing to go through that pain. He's willing to go through that pain so that you can be forgiven. So someone will take the punishment for you. And he's saying, that's how much I love you. That's how much I want a relationship with you that I'd be willing to go through that just so that you can be forgiven of your sins if you would just reach out and know me. That you can be completely forgiven for everything because of what Jesus did on the cross there's no way you'll ever earn salvation when we talk about giving there's no word in this room about hey if you give this amount this will ensure you a place in heaven you know just it's on and on you know it's not about hey let's work let's do this let's do this and you'll you'll get this there's none of that the bible describes our salvation as a free gift and then we after getting this gift of forgiveness and knowing that his son died for us we just go Man, I'll I'll, I'll do anything for that God. I want to give. I'm not trying to pay him back. I can't ever pay him back. He's given me the greatest gift ever. I'm the most blessed man on this earth. Here, I freely give. I want to give this gift to him. That's all this giving thing is about. But for you, what you need to know is that God wants to give you that eternal life. He wants to give you a relationship with him to where you can walk out and know that if you died today, you'd come in the presence of God and be forgiven and spend eternity with him. And that all comes through a genuine faith, a genuine belief in His Son, Jesus Christ.